You're listening to episode 13 of the Service Design Podcast. I'm David Morgan, and together with Stina van Hoof and in collaboration with the Service Design Network, we bring you stories about service design from around the world. In this episode, we'll be speaking to Frederik Fink. He founded and ran a successful startup, Presley. We'll be talking about his decision to take a one-year sabbatical and do 12 one-month social service design internships. We were very curious to hear how that's working out for him, and we share the story with you. This episode of the Service Design Podcast is brought to you by Kingdom, a playful yet incredibly powerful card game for co-creation. You can get Kingdom at kingdomcards.be and use the discount code PODCAST to get a 10 euro discount. Hi, Friedrich. Welcome to our office. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So This is great. This first time we have uh, somebody visiting us physically for a podcast episode. For the people who may not know you yet, could you please uh, introduce yourself? Okay, good. Uh, my name is Frederik Finks. I'm from Brussels. And I used to work in advertising for seven years. Then um, I had my own software startup, uh, B2B um, some software, communication software, for four years. Um, and last year I sold my shares and I'm looking for a new challenge. And now I'm, I'm on a social service design sabbatical, an SSSS. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to learn more about sectors with more impact. I'm doing internships in schools, caretake facilities, organizations that help newcomers, organizations that help youngsters find work, organizations like that. And always using service design methods to find something worth solving. Okay, great. And you're going to do that for one year, right? I'm not sure because the year is, is coming to an end soon and I still have too many projects to do. I'm, I'm not sure. It yeah. might be two years, three right. years. I gave myself two more years after this, after last week, to make a job or find a job or, or get new income. Mm -hmm. So what brought you to making this change for yourself, starting this sabbatical? Having a startup running it yourself is very intensive. A lot, a lot of energy goes into it, in the big decisions, in the small decisions. And at the end, it became an obsession, complete and utter obsession. And at the moment, I had some thoughts that it might not be worth it anymore that it, it is a good company, it is still running. <laughs> my, my former colleagues are still working there. It's still expanding, growing well. Um, but I didn't see myself wanting to invest that amount of energy into decisions that I didn't think were that important. It's very corporate software, really hot dry, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. It helps companies like KBC, Samsung, Toyota be... 0.5% more efficient or something. It doesn't give people a smile on their face or, or help them do the important things in life. And, and I think now, having learned all these skills, having like some real power to see change, make change, uh, I think I should use it better for better and not just to get filthy rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. That would be a nice side effect. But it's, it's, yeah, I want to give, give something back, do something that matters. Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you select a project that you know that will matter? How do you know that you're going to be able to uh, have some uh, yeah, positive effect on people? That's, that's a difficult one. It's, it's probably not a logical decision. I made, uh, I think, a 12-point checklist of what this kind of problem needs to be. Mm -hmm. I can't remember it by heart anymore. But, um, yeah, stuff that matters, stuff that is in, in areas that, that will make a difference, like education, healthcare, um, stuff that is designed poor or sectors that are designed poor, 
in a lot of organizations, they don't know what designers do, how designers can help them better understand problems, solve problems. Um, specifically, these things designed for organizations that, that need a designer and entrepreneur to help them get stuff done more efficiently. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Can you already give some examples on some projects you worked on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm, I'm going really hard on one project called Project Prisma. And um, the baseline is we, we bring color to care. And it's a service that helps caretakers in care facilities better understand the people that are living there. So I spend the whole month in a caretake facility, living there, helping there, helping feed people, helping to move them around, just then living with them and co-creating with them. And it became apparent quickly that it's very, oh, it's hard to say, but that the, the caregivers, that they, that it's hard for them to really care because they often don't know who the people are. A lot of new people come in, a lot of people check out permanently, quite mm -hmm. often, unfortunately. And it's, it's tough for them to know who they are, who they should care for. Mm -hmm. if, if these people can't tell their own story, how do they know who these people are? How can they be warm to them? How can they, they just have a good, good way of working with them? Mm -hmm. And that's what we set out to solve. Mm -hmm. And I spent one month in the care facility. And just the last month, I spent a month doing a one-month hackathon with uh, students, with four students. And we built the first prototype now in this month. Mm -hmm. And now it's really starting to catch on, it seems. I could be presented it last week, Thursday. And I had two meetings already today, one yesterday, two tomorrow. Whole week is full of meetings of organizations that think like, okay, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. How can we help? So it's it's fun how just walking around in a caretake facility now has me taking trains, racing from meeting to meeting and then trying to, I don't know, it seems like there's some company happening here mm -hmm. all of a sudden. So that's one project. Mm -hmm. And what is the solution you came up with together with the students? Or? Oh yeah, sure. So we want to help the employees, the caregivers understand the lives of the people living there. To do this, it's essential that the family members tell the stories because they're the ones that still know it. And so the, the project is in two phases. Now we've done the first phase where we're trying to understand how we can make family want to create those stories, why they would want to talk about it together with their relative, how we can make this a, a pleasurable experience to relive stories, to recount them, to just open the photo album and take pictures and, and do all these things. And we're betting that this will work. And we're, we're now going to test this in care facilities. And then if that could work, the next step could be to bring those memories to the care home. And then we'll make frictionless ways to bring those stories to the caregivers via installations, probably TV screens, um, daily reminders, um, stuff like that. Do you find that people are more willing to support you in this because you're doing this from a voluntary basis? Or don't you think that really makes a difference in, in this? I didn't think about this before. People seem to have a lot of sympathy. People smile a lot when they hear about this project. They, it seems to touch them. That that's the main thing I think that it, they think like wow yeah let's make something like this like it should be there the fact that I'm doing it voluntary it might help yeah I'm, I'm not in it to make money for me it doesn't need to make money I would even want to make it an open source solution that everyone can use it so that's what I'm trying to do now figure out a way to find open source developers and get them enthusiastic to work on this but also figure out a way to pay them a little bit so we can get this jump started. Mm -hmm. I could also imagine that people will approach you in a very different way because they, there's maybe not like the strict assignment that you would normally get as a company. You have more freedom to still see what is necessary and uh, you, yeah, people could be more open maybe to you because you're not someone from a company who's 
coming there to tell them what to do. Do you experience it like this or? It could be that it's not that strict or also just the fact that I can take a whole month and be there. It would be more expensive if you do this uh, as a company. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if people treat me that different, but in the beginning it was like this and um, I was doing my internships and I didn't really ask commitment from them. And that was mm -hmm. a big mistake. The first internship I did, I was just messing about a bit. Um, it was in a local school and the initial problem they had was that they had a lot of IT issues that their IT guy quit. Mm -hmm. And I thought like, I want to learn more about schools and these funky uh, digital interactive boards. And I want to see how that works, mm -hmm. but I didn't have a real plan. So I spent about a month there fixing computers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was not a waste of time. It was fun. I, I, I helped out in the classes. I made videos with the kids and we, we had a really good time. Mm -hmm. But so it's essential if you're doing this voluntary work that people take you serious and that you take yourself serious and that you say from the get-go, like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You need to give me time so I can help you. That is very essential. The first internship I did in the school, it took me a week uh, of just fixing computers before the, the headmaster had time to see me. Mm -hmm. I was pretty bored, actually. Mm -hmm. And now whenever I start a project, I tell them, come on, let's describe it. What is the exact thing you want to solve? I need time from you. It's a collaborative thing. Now we're going to be hanging a lot of post-its on walls together. And it's something we, we, we do together. And now they, they get it. And, and I think also because I'm, I'm documenting everything I do, I make videos about the whole process. People would start to see it now that, that this is the way it goes. They have to work also. Mm -hmm. So you started out with a, with a plan of doing 12 one-month internships in a year. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hearing you talk about uh, Prisma, and are you finding that one month is is not enough time to make a difference? No, no. one month is hardly enough time to understand the system, to find the problem we're solving. There's there's no way to do. Well, there is a way to to create a solution already, but you might be jumping the gun mm -hmm. or wanting to make something. Like I used to do it in advertising, like, oh, this is cool. Let's make this. I want to make this. <laughs> this isn't the way it works. It takes time. Yeah. I think we find that in projects that we do. I mean, uh, indeed, as you say, spending one month in one location, that's not very realistic in our agency context. But we do have uh, that amount of breathing room, at least from start to end of, of a project. Yeah. You need a lot of time for communication, just getting people aligned. It's not mm. something you can just stick in, in one week or two weeks of work uh, service design project. So do you have a, in, in the other projects you did, were they shorter or are they also uh, running longer? The majority of them are turning into two month projects. Mm -hmm. And um, the pattern I see is the first month is about understanding the problem, prototyping solutions. But then we still need a month to really make real decent prototypes. It's just just not enough time. It's a bit like um, all this typical double diamond. At first, you need this time to understand the system, see how everyone works, all the stakeholders are, and then together come up with problems even, understanding the problems and then maybe making some prototypes. It's difficult for me for after, after a month, I just walk out of there with slideware we just like a good looking PowerPoint deck and then a pile of post-its and sketches. And then if they don't have the culture to continue with this or the drive, the project falls flat. Mm -hmm. I need to go back and then have more of this entrepreneurial mindset, product development mindset for then taking the project and going like, okay, how are we going to do this? Let's make this happen. And, and mm -hmm really taking it into hands mm -hmm. yeah i think it's interesting like the two projects you just described you're really there and you're making the actual ideas you have and you immediately test it then in the actual environment i think that's very crucial like even you try it out in, a, in one environment uh, just to really test it and be transparent with the the target group and see how they're using it and improving it i think that's something which still happens not often enough in uh, other commercial projects. 
Like you have a company who wants to design something for schools and then they visit some different schools, but they will not like make it actually work with actual students and try to mm -hmm. test it uh, for like a month or something and uh, improve it along the way. That seems like a very uh, logical thing, maybe, but yeah, I, I I realize it that it's maybe not that logical in the real uh, if world. If you've done it a few times, it's it's logical, and and, and I, I see it when I do it with people that, that and they did their first time. Maybe developers that thought like, no, no, I'm here to code, and that come ask to ask to me like, Frederick, shouldn't we do another test? Will this work? These are just assumptions. It's really good to see, and and I also love the aspect that it's. Gives developers this ownership or designers or everyone the sense of, of purpose of making something for real people. And then they don't care if their code has to have spaces or tabs and if it's two spaces or four spaces, whatever, <laughs> like all these things. It's more about will this work? Does this matter what we're doing? And it, it gives them so much more drive also mm -hmm, to yeah. really put their heart in it. Yeah, yeah, I always find it makes a huge difference if we, for instance, have a, in the development phase, we have uh, demos and we invite the end users to those demos, like uh, teachers or something in an education project. And then they, these teachers see week by week changes and they get excited and that excites the developers. And the whole <laughs> project, it's it's people smiling and being happy and enthusiastic about what they do versus, yeah, just doing something and not knowing what effect it has. Uh, <laughs> very, uh, very important. Mm -hmm. yeah. What are things you're, you are doing differently now than what you uh, did in your previous job? Stuff I'm doing different. And in which job do you mean? Yeah, like your previous, uh, for example, with the startup or the big companies you were working on, are you approaching stuff differently now than when you were working? Uh, no, and that might be a good thing that I'm, I'm taking this, this quick um, startup approach of really executing fast, testing fast, not overthinking things. For example, when I went to the care home the first month, I used a service design framework or toolkit by Naman. It's a 16-step framework. Uh, that is, it took us three weeks to get through it. And then only after that, we kind of found a solution and it, it came automatically because the steps were so good. But then in the next project, we took the, the Google Sprint approach that condenses this in a week. And there we, we got to do more. It's, um, yeah, I like to move fast, make decisions fast, test things fast, and spending three weeks just thinking and, and doing workshops is a long time. Mm -hmm. It also requires a lot of effort from all the stakeholders, mm -hmm. asking them time and time again to do workshops, yeah. reviews, planning, whereas sometimes if you ask them, let's condense this, push this into three days, more intensive, and we can have an answer already or a hunch at the end of a week. Mm -hmm. And that, that comes from the startup background, I think, like there's no time to waste. Let's not go overly into to methodology or, or overthinking things. Mm -hmm. Let's just yeah, let's do it. You don't need to get things out of a workshop that you can also get in another way. <laughs> but some things you really need or the heads together and you need the workshop. And it's indeed important that you choose to do those activities in workshops. But uh, yeah, if it's not necessary, yeah, don't. I'd like to zoom out a little bit, uh, step back to how you got introduced to service design in the first place. At what point in your career did you start getting to know service design and applying it? Well, I have a background in user experience design. Um, when I graduated in um, 2006, I think, I did my master thesis around user experience design, and that was an emerging field back then. There weren't that many books about it, and yet uh, I think the first big book was The Elements of User Experience by Jesse James Garrett from Adaptive Path. Really simple structure of, of um, strategy, scope, structure, skeleton, surface, these, these five steps. And for my thesis, I, I compared a lot of frameworks and um, that got me more into thinking about methodologies. 
how do you do stuff? How do you get better at, at making decisions, building stuff? And then I'm not sure how I got more into the user-centered part of it. It's books probably. I've just been reading a lot, a lot about this, about how to do interviews. Uh, okay. And then a, a big change was, was probably when the Lean Startup book came out. And, and that, that, then we had the whole new uh, vocabulary of uh, validating your assumptions and, and uh, the pivot and, and the minimal viable product. And, and, and that brought it even more, more in, into view of like, we need to ruthlessly test if this is something people want. There's no use building something people don't want. Mm-hmm. And that's one, one thing too that, that kind of made me want to go out of advertising. It didn't happen at all there. It's just the creative director has a good feeling about it. The client likes it. The wife of the client likes it. And that's what we're going to make. Why? (laughs) Sure, they can maybe win some good awards and and, and make cool stuff. But let's make stuff that people really need and want. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's the logical way to service design. Mm -hmm. And then figuring out how to make stuff people want, want to open their wallets for. Also, and then more and more, I like drawing a lot, sketching. I have so many post-its that I've, I've brought tons and bought tons and tons of post-its. It's, I like doing stuff with people together and also getting the expertise out of people. There's, there's no way that I can go into a care facility and tell them like, this is how you should do stuff. No, I'm just there to facilitate and understand then help them understand what they want and need. So yeah, mm-hmm. long explanation. <laughs> yeah, but I think you touched upon yeah, a lot of the important things in service design. One of the things I would find interesting that I'm wondering how you're dealing with that now in the internships is the stakeholder uh, involvement. I think if we do big projects, we have a lot of stakeholders. We have to involve them in every step to get everyone along with the project, what we're going to do behind the ideas. And I could imagine that now if you go to the school and you see like real problems and you solve it just with real people and then you have some good ideas at work and then you could go out to the uh, world and and, uh, present it to people that might be interested, maybe invest in it or let it grow. And I'm I'm just curious about the fact that maybe sometimes that's like a better way of, of starting projects and then uh, introducing it to people. But on the other hand, I think sometimes in reality also, yeah, it's you have to get the people on board that want to pay for your projects at some point. What is your idea about it? Like, what do you think is like the best way of approaching a project in, in thinking about stakeholder involvement? I'm, I'm still figuring it out also. Mm-hmm how this works, but I think this is an, an interesting approach to, to do it the other way around. First, learning things, building things, demoing things, and then finding people that will give you the money to make it, finding people that care for it, care about it. So I'm not sure what the answer is, but I'm really curious to see if this can work. If this model now, like this Prisma model, if we can find politicians to pay for this, care organizations to pay for this, partners in some way that think like, oh, yes, sure, this is something that's been tested, people really like, there's there's traction there, and now they can invest in it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a better model than that they would have come up with something in a, in a, in a meeting in a room somewhere and then uh, hired you guys <laughs> to build it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then probably for you guys, it must be difficult too to, hard, to ask the harder questions because people come with a briefing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it depends on the project, but that's what we also try to find the balance in that we have at one hand a project that is framed, like what will we do and what do they expect from, from us as a design agency? But on the other hand, also that we have enough freedom to solve the right problem that uh, they don't just come to us and tell we want an app and we think it's a very bad idea for users to make an app that mm. we still at some point have the freedom to, uh, yeah, together with them decide that the project should go in another direction. But it's always a difficult uh, exercise, I would say, in uh, projects. Yeah. yeah. But I think also, fortunately, people do come to us when they 
don't know what they want <laughs> and uh, that's where we can uh, yeah as service designers help figure out yeah which direction to take mm -hmm. so sometimes we also start with a small project which is yeah doesn't build anything but it ends up with with a clear plan uh, to build something mm -hmm. and i think that often is the most helpful uh, thing to do so they're not stuck to a big uh, big budget project but just something pragmatic to start with and uh, yeah then uh, but usually people once they're working with us they get to work with the users that's what's so convincing it's, mm -hmm. it's not us it's being in touch with the people who they are working here for the reason why they do what they do that all comes comes up just mm. the process and i think that that is very convincing to people so uh, they'll be yeah they're open to to suggestions when it's their clients their customers saying they want something mm -hmm. and not just us as experts or uh, consultants mm -hmm. i think that's the, the strong part yeah it's mm. also like you said that you're more like a facilitator of a process that so many people have already so much knowledge and that at some point just has to come together together with what users want and that then yeah it's great to be able to facilitate that that those people work together and they will come to a good solution uh, together yeah. and the clients get the difference between a service design agency that that more helps frame the questions ask the questions get a sense of solutions do they know what this this is well enough compared to the guys a little with Miss Robot here that more, I think, work from a briefing and execute perfectly? Yeah, we often work for government, Flemish government, and they they literally have a lot of assignments where they say, like, this is a, a problem we have now, and shall we together look at a solution uh, together with you and the users? And then we frame uh, together with them, like a briefing for a project that they could do later on and the solution that they could build. So we definitely have some, but I do have to admit that it's still like a struggle for most of the companies that they, yeah, they indeed think that they already need something and they don't always come to us with a question like, we don't know what we want and can you help yeah. us? <laughs> it's some always somewhere in between, I would say. <laughs> like, uh, But yeah, I, I think it's already great if, if you could have the freedom to still, during a project, together with your client, change to the right direction. And I think that's the most important thing that you need that freedom and you're not stuck to making things that you don't believe will actually work. Mm. And if you get the clients into that uh, way of thinking, uh, yeah, then they also really like working uh, working in that way, I would say. Do you already have some tips for people that are uh, working, like having very busy jobs and maybe also sometimes think like, uh, am I doing the right thing? I'm working very hard, putting a lot of energy in things, but am I solving the right things that I would like to uh, be doing in my job? I'm not sure. Maybe this isn't for everyone to try and be a problem solver. And, and I see a lot of people struggling with this, with finding meaning. A lot of people close to me, I think everywhere, are in their 30s, 40s, and think, like, is this it? Isn't there anything more to it? And I see a lot of people struggling with it, with being the best version of themselves that they can be and and. and doing a lot of deep digging, a lot of reading on it. Um, it is, I think, for many people, a scary path to say bye-bye job and I'll, I'll just look around for a year. For me, it's fun. It's rewarding. I'm having really beautiful moments now, like, like with what we made in the care home. I'm now being closer with my family because it's all about family and memories. And then I've had some really beautiful uh, moments with my mom and my grandma and it's, it's more something I maybe wouldn't have done in, in the rat race. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's a difficult question. Yeah. yeah, I think the thing you say that it's scary, I could totally <laughs> agree with that, like leaving your job, but also indeed like for yourself, looking what you find meaningful. I think that's quite a scary search in itself. It is simple because... Um, there's this um, Japanese concept of ikigai, 
It is um, you find your true self and true purpose, or the reason of waking up every day when you, you combine uh, what you're good at, what you love, what the world really needs, and um, the third one is what you, uh, the fourth one, what you can get paid for. And I, I knew that I like making stuff. I'm good at it. I, I can get paid for it well. I love doing these things, facilitating it. But what does the world need? And like I knew these three, three things were checked. And the, the big one of like the money was checked also. So then it's easy to just go out and see like, oh, what do I like? What do I think is interesting? So it's it, for me, it's a safe thing to do. It's just, it's yeah, looking outside to find yourself in some way. Oh, yeah. Do you know what will what the future will bring for you? Ah, oh, nee, I, I still don't have a clue of what I've got to do after this. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, there's this the, pro, um, the projects now are, are growing. I always promised myself not to fall in love with the projects because it's is that hard? It is very hard <laughs> because you see people that will get impacted by it, people that really want you to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I see the people that. We want to pay to make it happen. Um, I see developers that want to join in and build it, but I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of doing it now, but I'm not gonna do it. I'll, yeah, why like, not? It, it, no, there's there's plenty more projects to look for, mm -hmm. and I would rather than solving one thing really good, I would like to find a better way to help other people solve stuff to do to, to do more of a structured way of this. Now I go to one organization with a few people and I help them with something, but the impact isn't that big. It's big for them locally. But how, for example, in the school, I'm doing it now in one school. I'm gonna do, I went to the school for one month and I'm going to go back for another month to do a project there. And now I'm going to look into how we can do this in five schools together and then maybe like scale up these things and... and it's not just enough to test in one place. You need, you need more of these things. I think I want to go more towards that. Like, how can we make a system out of this a structure, a machine that helps people solve things that matter? Something like this. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Are you, in that sense, on a mission to get more people to do what you do? I'd like to. It would be fun mm -hmm. to exchange ideas about this and to really tackle problems together. Mm -hmm. Like quite concretely, oh, this is something concretely I can ask right now. So I uh, spend a month in the school and we found out that it's difficult for the school to reach the parents, especially a lot of parents with a back uh, migration background. It's hard for the school to reach them. They don't speak the language. They don't know the culture well. Um, we, we came up with some solutions in the one school. And now I'm going to work a whole month in the school to find a specific solution. But now I'm, um, I want to test this after that in five schools simultaneously. And I would love to have four other service designers to be in these other schools at the same time that I'm in one school. And we all have the, the same problem definition, but we, we co collaborate with people there, come up with stuff together to make different solutions and compare them. And quite specifically, I'm gonna ask for money for the government. There's a Digital Belgium Skills Fund. They have, I think 12 million in the in the coming three years, and they should give quite a bit for this. And so I'm going to write a dossier after the pilot, and I want more service designers to come on board and to to do this together. It's going to be really fun, I think, to go back to school and to figure out how we can make sure that all the kids can have a really good education and that they that their parents really care about school. Yeah. I think we certainly can throw this question out there to uh, all the service designers listening and who are also interested in, in joining you in this. Are you also interested in, in international uh, service designers doing this in different countries or are you really focused on doing this in Belgium locally? If they can find out how to get paid for it in their country, <laughs> sure. I doubt that, uh, that the uh, King Baudouin Foundation, that they would pay for service designs in other countries. It's probably going to be in Belgium if we get this money. But I think that, um, our odds are, are really good to, to get this. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sounds like a very relevant uh, question that a lot of people would uh, like to see solved. Uh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a nice project. Yep. 
So um, I have a second ask. I'd like to do more internship abroad in big service design agencies. Mm -hmm. um, for example, in January, I'm going to Hong Kong to work in a service design agency there. And they have a really good setup. They, they get funded by the government and they can work for six months on projects with, with the university. And they have, I think, 300 design students that they can tap into, and the students come up with ideas and the, the, the organization, the service design agency helps them through the process of selecting ideas or and, uh, uh, prototyping them. And then at the end, they also have connections with with uh, real companies to make these things happen. And like this, this like makes me excited, a story like this. Wow. And, and I'd like to do more things of these in, in different different countries mm -hmm. to see how we can bring stuff like this to Belgium. Yeah, that, that scale is <laughs> huge. I don't think we have uh, 300 service designers in Belgium. <laughs> Maybe uh, in several countries. Yeah. But uh, no, I think, I think uh, yeah, working with education is very interesting. We make me think we recently helped uh, start the uh, Uh, Belgian service design network chapter and our focus there is also in bridging education and the practice because I think there's still yeah, it's relatively new education around service design in in Belgium and uh, I think uh, we definitely want to support that that's more getting more developed that we're also involved in that from practice so I think yeah We're in the end waiting for great service designers to come out of schools to help join us and uh, we want to help make those service designers ready for the, for the real world, of course. And nothing like the real deal for them, mm -hmm. working on real projects that really matter. Yeah, that's much more motivating for students as well, of course. I see it now with uh, the students I'm working from Prisma for IT students. And they told me that in school, they, they make theoretical projects. One is, does IT in university? He's never made something real, he says. And he's super excited now that he's, he's seeing how it really works, how to make something people will use. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's good to see developers thinking like designers, some way, or just thinking about the bigger picture of like, why are we making this? What are, what are, how is it going to be? And not about code, but about who is this for? So I'd, I'd urge not to just get service designers in this project, mm -hmm. but everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, a programmer isn't someone that, that writes code. It's, it's someone that knows how to write code to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And they need to see these bigger problems. Same with, with visual designers. They shouldn't just make pretty stuff. It all serves a purpose. And, and it, I think at school, at least for what I've seen, This sense isn't there yet. This idea, this notion that, that that they're part of a bigger thing and it's about the end result and nothing like real life experience to, to do this. And, and our role as service designers is essential there to facilitate these groups, to, to speak with people, to learn about what really needs to be made. Yeah, yeah I think that could be very inspiring to students as well to know that they will be able to make things that will help other people instead of learning some theory about math but that it could actually be used in a in a social context and uh, mm. solve actual problems with that <laughs> yeah. so are you still looking for uh, new internships like um, are there certain topics you would like to uh, still work on um, i wanted to still um, work around food mm -hmm. maybe agriculture I'm, I'm a computer nerd. I have this really soft baby skin hands and I wanted to go and work on the land. Mm -hmm. Be a real man, a rugged man. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't found an internship like this and, and winter is going to come soon and it's going to be like maybe it isn't the time to work on the land. Maybe I should do this later on. Mm -hmm. um, now I'm more focused on, on, on continuing the projects I already did, mm -hmm. giving it the second tier of prototyping them and seeing if it, it can come to life. Mm -hmm. Can't help but uh, think out loud about what you're saying about food. 
one thing just as a, a private individual that uh, I make use of with my family is a, a field with vegetables and uh, stuff and we we have a, a harvest share so we we pay a yearly amount but then we can go there and harvest the vegetables and stuff that we need I think it's a beautiful project in principle because we you know, almost all the vegetables that we use now are from uh, two kilometers from my house and um, yeah they we just use what we need and that sort of things but yeah it's also these are just two or by now three farmers struggling <laughs> to get this all uh, done and in the end it's a very complicated service with uh, i don't know how many hundreds of people are members and um, also have shares and uh, yeah, I think that sort of projects are really beautiful, but they also do need some help uh, from, okay. from people like us. That's something I'd, I'd be interested in to, yeah. to help figure out uh, and to be on the lab. Yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. Seems like a dream, right? Uh, yes. Go back to work, like real work. Yes. I mean, in summertime, like now, I do love going there and... Uh, <laughs> cutting your vegetables in the winter sometimes when it's already dark when I come out of work. Uh, <laughs> it's delivery. But still, uh, it feels good. Mm. Um, I have a question as well about the organizations that you work with uh, so far. Uh, do you think you have made an, an, an impact, a change in the organization even after you're gone in the way they work, the way they think about what they, how they approach projects? I, I think so, definitely. And the third internship was at BIN. It's um, an organization that helps newcomers in Flanders to find their way. It's a bit um, a buddy system. People that arrived here a few years ago that now became Flemish know how it works. They help new people from, from similar countries to find a way to, to stores, to schools, to doctors. Um, a re re really beautiful project. And I, th I think they they learn a lot about not overthinking things, about like just going for it, doing short workshops, um, getting those post-its out, um, externalizing their ideas, even um, like structuring it with, with timers. I like using timers a lot to just uh, time box stuff to like, just make sure you don't overthink things. And uh, they, they told me that they really changed now and then just really go a lot quicker into into just trying out things, seeing if it works. If it doesn't, don't be. But uh, if it does, it re it'll really help them. Uh, that, that was good to hear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Seems like you're also doing uh, a lot of the impact is in actually learning to uh, let people think in another way and work in another way. Like, it seems like you're teaching them also a little bit about service design methods to focus on users, to do workshops together, to uh, make things uh, like MVPs first and then uh, bring it to the next level. So yeah. I find it yeah, interesting to see that, that you also tap into that. Like it's more uh, often more about uh, capacity building within an organization uh, to teach them some skills than to actually just deliver a product project or a product there. Yeah, because if you're gone, the product needs to continue. And then if they've ingrained these philosophies, these approaches, chances to succeed are much better. And then ideally, we become obsolete and we show people the way that we think is the best way. Maybe in a few years, there will be this new yeah. theory <laughs> that uh, that uh, design thinking service design isn't good. But for now, I think this is the best way. I <laughs> wish we were enlightening them. And then we're not necessary anymore. They, they they can do it themselves. Mm -hmm. Things is it's it's so simple. <laughs> you just visualize a bit what you're doing. You ask everybody what he or she thinks. Then you go out and test it with people, and then you, you improve it. And that's the whole thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> it seems simple, but still, often people make it a lot more complex. <laughs> yeah. 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 Unfortunately, common sense isn't always common. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It is with like I have this tendency with um, going deep into frameworks, and then you tend to lose your common sense a bit yeah. because you want to test this framework really well, and then you're maybe following too hard. Whereas you could have just taken shortcuts or done done things more how you feel them, like the Naman framework. 
job well done, guys. But for me, it was way too big. It's for huge government projects, maybe. Um, but the only way to know it is to give it a try, mm -hmm. to really like, allow yourself through the 16 steps testing them. Yeah, I think frameworks like that are, are a great starting point indeed. And uh, yeah, you've got to start somewhere. But I think it's yeah, like if you're a chef, you <laughs> follow recipes maybe, but at some point, you know, certain things that work for you, certain things that don't, and you, you create your own recipes. I think, uh, yeah, service designers, we do the same thing. We find a way to approach projects yeah, in our own way. And also, I think there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all method for projects, uh, yeah, not a single project I do in the same way, yeah, it really depends on all the complex system that you're working mm. with. Yeah, it's, it's really handy now to have this whole toolbox of different things to try in different different situations. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also a little bit curious, um, it's from before your sabbatical, one of the projects on your website is a, a card set mm. that you have. What brought you to developing your own tool like that? So I'm, a I'm, bit what it is? Yeah, I made a card set to um, conceive marketing communication campaigns. Um, I, because I had my own company, I had to learn how to find clients. And I, I learned sales, for example, but I also had to learn how to do marketing and communication. And I got really deep into it, into the, the topic of this. And, and I, I saw myself doing similar exercises again and again. And then I thought, like, okay, I'll make little cards of it and I'll design them. And now there's this whole array of, of like 46 cards with different kind of elements you can put in the mix. And there's this, this some sort of workflow in it of how you go through the cards, how you test them, how you do brainstorms with them. So it's it's maybe a, a designer's way of trying to figure out how marketing works. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it's uh, you use it together with clients to uh, formulate a campaign or how? Yeah, in communication teams you can do this. Now for me, it isn't really part of my story right now. Mm -hmm. I'm more at the first stage of figuring out what to make and not figuring out how we can make people care about it. And um, um, I think it's going to become useful afterwards for, for these projects that we want to get on the rails. Um, but that's how you use it. Indeed, you get together with clients or with your team, your communication team, and you just start looking at cards, mm -hmm. laying them on the table and, and drawing lines between them, organizing them, uh, mm -hmm. just a very visual way. It's pretty similar to, to you know, waterfall projects that, that, that we saw previously and still a lot. In communication, there's huge briefings, huge communication plans. Mm -hmm. And now it's becoming so scattered, communication and marketing. There are so many channels that it's difficult to keep an overview. And, and for me, this was a way to see like, like how does it work, this system of having a mega blog post and a little blog post on other sites and then uh, a slide shared deck and then maybe attending a podcast to talk about it and to get this whole system to work to, towards one goal. This doesn't work in a Word document. You need to see it. I mean, you need to feel how far things are from each other, uh, how one thing leads to the other. And so it's, it's drawing really helps to, to understand stuff, right? To feel how stuff works. Yeah. Do you have a, a tool bubbling up for the work that you're doing now? Or isn't that not a... Oh, no, I've been so, find? so into these projects that I haven't come up with something meta yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. Challenge accepted. Interesting, specifically for social service design. What... what yeah. I don't have an answer myself, of course, but <laughs> what kind of a tool we, you could maybe have for that. Yeah. I'll speak to you in uh, another six months. Yeah. <laughs>
Wow. Okay. I think it's been really interesting uh, hearing your story, Frederick. We also have a lot of questions for our audience. Uh, I'm just going to remind people if you have interesting internship opportunities where you think Frederick can make a difference, other service designers willing to think along with him in his projects, get in touch with Frederick. You'll find his contact information in our show notes. Is there anything you'd like to share with the service design community at large? I'd, I'd like to share a picture of where we are sitting right now. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't told it yet, but we're sitting in a really strange spot with this uh, homemade studio really close to each other. It's way too warm here. <laughs> right. I'd like to share a picture of where we are sitting. I will, I will uh, take out my phone now. I'm going to uh, make a, a selfie. I hope yeah. it won't be too embarrassing. And let's see. You need a, didn't bring your selfie stick. No. <laughs> I have one. I'm embarrassing you enough. Wait, I will just stop uh, the, the podcast for a sec and be right back in, magically with my selfie stick. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Through the magic of uh, audio editing, I now have my selfie stick. And here we go. <laughs> All right. We'll be adding this picture to uh, the show notes as well. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, Frederick. It was very inspiring to hear. And I'm almost thinking of going on a social sabbatical myself. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And uh, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast and enjoy the rest of your year. Thank you. Thank you. Stina, you won't believe this. What? There are still some people listening. Hey, that's great. Perhaps we can promote some things. We would like to keep the podcast free after all. That's right. If you want to support the show, the easiest way would be to subscribe, rate and review. You can visit us on servicedesignpodcast.com for more information. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and join in on the conversation. You can also meet up with us at the Service Design Global Conference, which will be held in Madrid on the 2nd and 3rd of November this year. We'd love to make new connections and meet guests and listeners of the podcast. You can find more information and buy our tickets on the Service Design Network website. And remind us again about Kingdom, Stina. Well, Kingdom is our workshop facilitation card game that provides endless exercises in a small package. You can buy Kingdom on kingdomcards.be and especially for you, we have arranged a 10 euro discount. Enter the code podcast when you purchase it and you'll get a 10 euro discount. Kingdom ships worldwide. Thanks again for listening and until next time. Bye.